everybody, it's me, Katie Osaurus, and welcome back to Infinite Quest. Before we begin this week's episode, Eric and I have a favor to ask all of you. Infinite Quest started out as a weird experiment between two new friends, and we had no idea where it was going to lead. This is a true story. The week that we launched Infinite Quest, 17 people listened to episode one, and we were so excited that that many people wanted to listen to our podcast. Last week, we posted our episode with M. Schultz of And That's Why We Drink, and in less than an hour, 1,700 people had listened to Infinite Quest. We are so humbled, and we are going to cry now. We are so humbled, and we are so grateful for the support of this community. And it really is that. We have created a community of thousands of people who see the importance and value of mental health advocacy and education. Okay, so this is the part where we're going to ask you for that favor. We need your help to spread the word about Infinite Quest. In podcast land, word of mouth is still an incredibly effective way of building an audience. And we have literally been building our audience one person at a time. And so anytime you can tweet about us or share us on social media, post about us on Reddit, Facebook, whatever, it really, really helps us out. Another really fast and easy way that you can help us is just by going to your podcast listening venue of choice and leaving us a review. Lastly, if you are interested and able in supporting Infinite Quest's mission of education and advocacy financially, you can visit us at patreon.com slash infinite quest. Probably going to cry when I say this next part, but Eric and I are dangerously close to being able to say that Infinite Quest and educating and advocating for mental health is our full-time job. That is an extraordinary feeling and we feel so lucky and so blessed to be here. So anything you can do to bring more people to Infinite Quest, to let people know that we exist, we would be infinitely, infinitely grateful for the help. And with that, here's an episode about sex. Bye! I actually went to Juilliard for Foley work, so... Oh, really cool! I did. I can also make it sound like I'm walking down the stairs. Oh, cool. I can make it sound like I'm bored. <laughs> uh, real quickly, uh, this message came for you. Uh, it's my middle finger. Oh. It's because it's the audio medium, so they can't see that I'm flipping you off. Oh, that's cool. But I am. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Infinite Quest. Hey. I'm Katie Asaurus. I'm Hey Goo. And um, so this week's episode is a continuation of the uh, kink spectacular that we did earlier. Um, so if you haven't listened to that episode... You should, because there's some this is a little prequel. Yeah, we're going to say a lot of things like, like we talked about in the last episode. and um, So if you don't know, if you didn't listen to that one, you're going to be missing out. Um, but once again, we just wanted to very quickly, very quickly, just sort of a little baseball Hall of Fame asterisk. If you are our parents, if you know us in real life, um, or if you're just frankly uncomfortable listening to people talk about sex, which is totally valid. Um, We're going to have a very frank conversation about sex and kink today. Um, So if you don't want to listen to that, uh, go listen to the Nevermore episode again, because I'm real proud of that one. And there's just, there's no sex. Not a a sex to be found. I knew there was a reason I didn't listen to that episode. There's no sex in the Nevermore episodes. Okay, cool. Yeah. There is a swear in in the next one, but... Oh, is there really? There's a couple of swears, yeah. Wow. But there's there's still... There's implied sex. You're doing the, the Bridgerton uh, 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 
uh, I am. thing where you consolidate all of it into one. Yes, I'm waiting for episode four and then nothing but jizz and on blankets, far as the eye can see. Lots of butts. <laughs> the shocking amount of blanket References to, to wieners. <laughs> yes, big, lots of wieners. floppy, snaky wieners. Like a, like a drained snake. So anyway, Mom, if, oh, you, oh, if you're oh. listening, maybe don't. That's all. <laughs> That's all we wanted to say. So anyway, I believe... In the last episode, we talked about um, Samuel Hughes's five stages of kink. We did do that. Uh, kink, kink explores and kink identity uh, uh, process, I guess. Yes. Um, which is uh, one early encounters. So that's generally. Uh, so they can just go back and listen to the episode, Eric. Well, I'm just gonna go back to the last episode. We're not gonna do it again. Go listen. Right, we I'm... need. That's how we get them views, Eric. Oh, okay. That's how we get them them views. Okay. Cool. But if uh, uh, early encounters, exploration <laughs> with the self, evaluation, finding others, exploration with others. That was really good. Thanks. There you go. I feel very educated on Samuel Hughes now. <laughs> All right, fine. So in that case, I'm just going to continue right where we left off in the last episode. Well, okay. In the last episode yes. where we talked about kink, um, you teasered trailer. You said that you wanted to bring up a whole new topic. What was the topic that you wanted to bring up? Well, so this is a topic I, I'm trying, <laughs> there's a video on TikTok of it's, it's titled every podcast ever and it's a guy just saying this is really important to talk about and i think it needs to be taught nobody really talks about it so i'm really glad that we're talking about it because i think nobody really talks there's such a statement and he never actually says anything and so every time i start talking i'm secretly worried i feel that like that. i know exactly that video that you're thinking about and i think about that too I think about and it all the time. thank you for sharing that with me that being said i, wanna... I think it's really important that we talk about that <laughs> I think it's really important that we talk about this. intersectionality and um synergy is just very <laughs> just we're it's these converse these dialogues are just necessary oh yeah absolutely <laughs> well so in, at, the, at the very end of the last episode um i brought up the fact that so i'm i'm a switch which basically means i get i, I enjoy being both dominant and submissive Depending on the, the the day, sometimes at the same time. Sometimes at the same time, especially when it's with two ADHD people, it's like oh God. two seconds of subbing, two seconds of dropping. It gets rough. It gets rough. Then I then I tighten your apron strap, and it's just like <laughs> excuse oh, me, switch. Excuse me, oh, I didn't sorry. come here to be personally attacked on my own podcast. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the video, no, we haven't released, haven't that, released video. that video. There yeah. is actual footage of Eric accidentally topping me <laughs> during the middle of what is. Not at all supposed to be. We're making bread. We're fucking. It's a, we're fine. May we're doing an episode of ADHD Kitchen, which is also something that we haven't released to the public yet. So surprise, that's a thing. Um, and and he just he was like, no, put your apron on better. And it's just it got real hot. Real quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it was very embarrassing. So, anyways, at the end of the last episode, I talked about how when I'm submissive. It helps my ADHD a lot because my brain completely shuts off and I've relinquished control consensually in the scene um, and I don't have to decide, you know, where to put my arms because they're restrained. I don't have to worry about what I'm looking at because I can't see. Um, like, I don't have to worry about strange noises because I can't hear. Um, sensory deprivation is a... I enjoy it. Um, it's valid. It's but okay. being topping, being dominant also very much helps my ADHD. Um, and why that is... I have no. I have some thoughts, but I don't I'm know. Excited! I feel like you're gonna have a podcast break. I might have a podcast break. I really thought I was gonna have a podcast breakthrough last time, and I didn't. So I'm owed. So I'm, oh, okay. I'm excited. Gotcha. Cool. Well, so it help being being dominant helps my ADHD. 
because my I, again I don't like I feel bad bringing this up because I'm not like going to give some great but perhaps because my motivations are not at all in question I am not wondering what I should be doing like I'm not thinking like oh we shouldn't be doing this we should be doing something else or I have work to do or that kind of thing um, I am only doing service to you I'm trying to give you the best experience possible. Mm -hmm. And the better I know you and know your 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 kink stuff, your kinks, I guess, would be the, the noun form of that, um, the more clear in my head what I can be doing. And I get into sort of like a, honestly, like an artistic flow state where like... I mean, you are a, an, an artist, <laughs> an artiste, if you will. Well, like, you know, if, you're, if, 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 an art, if a painter's doing a painting and they put a, like an abstract painting, they put a splash of red somewhere. Like it's they they probably weren't just deciding like ooh it needs to be in exactly this location depending on what kind of art you're doing, it's just they just that's what they feel like at the time. And when I'm topping, I'm, I get into that state where the scene itself becomes this is oh my god it's the most pretentious thing I've ever said. It becomes the canvas on which I'm painting, and so I'm uh, my my brain is perhaps equally quote unquote turned off. Because it has now become like a, a program that is just running, and I'm just like in the flow of the scene, um, in the same way that I am when I'm subbing. It's just now, it's not. I, I don't know. I'm not sacrificing my mobility or my senses to you. I'm sacrificing my, I guess, my motivations or my autonomy to you, even though you're submissive. You're holding the power because you're controlling what I'm doing in a way. Although yeah. it's not your decision what I do, what I'm doing is always for a very unambiguous fun function. You're you know? such a service tab. You're like the most servicey service tab ever, and it's charming. But like, yeah, and I mean, and I think though too is like you keep apologizing for like not having like advice. But I think like one of the reasons why we set out to do these episodes is because we just want to have conversations to hopefully maybe make it easier for people to have conversations of their own. So I don't necessarily feel like you have to have any brilliant insights. What we're trying to accomplish is like, hey, if you want to sit down with your significant other or others and say, hey, this is something that we want to explore or whatever, like, I think it's important to just hear the logistical conversations that happen between two people with ADHD. Because, like, there are a lot of considerations that need to be made when you're talking about neurodivergency. You Absolutely. Know? Do you find that when you're, you as a, you are also a switch. I am also a switch. And you've stated that you, your ADHD has helped, but when you're submissive because your brain turns off. Yeah. Do you feel that your ADHD is alleviated or helped or whatever term you want to use when you're topping? And if so, do you have any ideas mm. as to why or why not? You know, I'm going to be really honest. My answer is no. Huh. My answer is, is absolutely no. I think they're like, I don't think my ADHD helps my top, but I also don't, I, topping, but I also don't think it's like necessarily hindered. And like one of the questions I get asked so often, so often on TikTok is like, well, I have ADHD. Can I be a dom? And I'm like, yes, fucking obviously you can be a dom. Like fucking obviously you can be a top. But there seems to be, I think, this incorrect assumption that to be a top, you have to 
be able to enter that flow state. Hmm. You have to be able to just like into it, right? Nah, fam, I fucking make outlines. <laughs> I I'm not joking. Oh, like I, it, I like I have a fucking like little book report formatted on my phone that's like, okay, like I want to do this and I want to do this and then after this I'm going to do this. And so for me, like it topping, doming, whatever you want to call it, doesn't necessarily help my ADHD the same way that like my brain turns off when I'm submissiving speaks submitting so so if i just don't like the term so i'm trying to avoid it as much as i can because i hate that um because i'm a brat um but i think that like you it it helps me to to do something else it's a type of service it's a type of making my partner Ensuring that my partner has a good time, has a safe time, has a healthy time. Um, and that is really important to me. And so, like, for me, like, that's kind of more of what it shows up as. Huh. I- I'm also just realizing now that when I-, when I think of, like, helping my ADHD, I often assume that I'm referring to its subsision. Subs- it, that it, I'm, I'm referring to its subsiding. Mm-hmm. It becoming less you know, bad or prevalent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just realizing that a lot of activities, when I say that it helps my ADHD, I'm not necessarily saying that it makes it less prevalent or makes it go away a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm just meaning it's less of a problem. And so I'm thinking when I'm submissive, it helps my ADHD by making it subside, by making it sort of go away because there just isn't enough... Yeah. D- there isn't a diversity of stimulus such that my brain can do its bouncing off the walls thing. But my ADHD can also be, quote, helped by putting it in situations where it's either useful or comfortable. For example, when I'm tinkering, for example, Katie, I'm, right. I'm a tinker. I like I like gluing stuff together, nailing stuff you together, do. and duct taping things. Stirs. Coffee stirs. Coffee stirs, baby. Um, <coughs> I just got really excited for the robot puppet I'm building. I'm just realizing... That's what I'm gonna do after it's we finish recording. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, oh gosh, I lost it. Wait, no, I got it. It's come back. I got it. Oh, when I'm doing those things, I think of those things as quote helping my ADHD, but not by making it subside, but by making it comfortable and flourish. Because now the fact that I'm I'm having a million different ideas at once and thinking of a million different ways of doing something is actually very beneficial. And I'm just realizing that might be this the same dichotomy between topping and bottoming. Yeah. Whereas when I'm topping, the fact that I'm having a million different ideas allows me to approach a scene from a bunch of different angles. And then when the right one, well, the, the you know, quote unquote right yeah, one. Yeah, the one you choose. The one I choose comes up, it like is brighter than the other ones. It's more, so it's not, I'm not just making a decision and hoping that it's right. I'm comparing it to a million different other things that have already come up. And it just for some reason stands out among the other ones. And then that's the thing that I do. Which is, I mean, I think in some ways, I, I, I don't want to make too, too much of a generalization, but, you know, ADHD people are often thought of as being very creative. And I think that perhaps might be somewhat of a mechanic that exists sort of under the hood. That when we have an, a weird creative idea for a painting or something, it's, it's, we're not just designing one painting, we're designing a million. And this one stood out. 
And so perhaps in a kink scene, that same dynamic is at play. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit thrilled at like the realization that when I'm referring to helping my ADHD, there's, oh, wow, hold on, how, oh God, okay. Podcast okay. breakthrough! Okay. <laughs> this, this is a weird one because I don't, but we'll just, we get asked so much because of our line of work, like how do I basically help me with my ADHD? And I've noticed that those usually fall into two formats. One, how do I make it go away? And two, how do I make it comfortable and useful? And I think it, it's, 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 not, it's not an either or thing in terms of what you, how you want to design your life. It's not like I either have to make my life completely suited to my ADHD such to make it comfortable and useful or make it completely go away. And I think kink in a lot of ways is a microcosm of a bunch of stuff of life. I'm just trying to avoid saying that because it's kind of pretentious, but, but kink is, a, is in a lot of ways exactly that microcosm and the difference between subbing and doming. Subbing makes me okay with my ADHD because it alleviates it. Doming helps with my ADHD because it makes it useful. And that just, makes a lot I'm of just sense. realizing that that applies to a lot of different things. Yeah. Namely, coffee stirs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, tight. <laughs> oh, I had a question for you. Um, yeah. It was... Um, oh, yeah. Are there any skills that you've learned from kink that have helped you with your neurodivergency? I mean, and I don't mean skills necessarily just technical skills, like tying knots oh, and I stuff. I was going to say, I was like, if anybody needs a fucking first mate i could fucking <laughs> sail a sailboat man um so I, I mean literal technical skills but also like emotional or, or or interpersonal skills yeah i mean oh god like there's so many like i think i mean and it's funny too because like there are some things that i like i am very good at as a top that i'm really bad at as bottom like that that's a thing that i need to say right away like because I don't know, like, I feel like, I feel like a lot of the time I have this, like, guilt complex about, like, TikTok and TikTok lives because people will come on and they'll be like, what do I do? And I'm like, here's what you do. But do I take my own advice? The answer is no. But, like, I'm, I'm very good, I think, at, at sort of objectively looking at a situation. You know, things like, my partner doesn't believe, I promise this point is going somewhere. Like, you know, my partner doesn't believe that I have ADHD. Um, or, you know, doesn't accept my neurodivergency. What do I do? I'm like, that shit's a red flag. Fucking bail. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, and I'm like, I'm so good at, like, advocating for, like, you have a right to express your needs. You have a right to ask for the things that you want. Like, do it. Fucking go. Right. Get off this live and, you know, go have that conversation. Whereas, like, in my own life, I, I constantly struggle to ask for what I want. And, like, and I think, like, if I was being very uncharitable to myself, I would say that it's hypocrisy. But I think that... Calling it hypocrisy is being charitable to yourself? Uncharitable. uncharitable. If I was being uncharitable. <laughs> but I think, if I'm, if I'm being honest, what it is, is the fact that as a, as a top, I, I desperately, desperately want my partners to have a good time and I want them to be safe and I want them to be okay. And I want things to be negotiated and, and clear and prepared and, you know, never ever put you or anyone I play with in harm's way. 
And so, like, I'm able to approach, like, kind of advice giving from that mentality. But in terms of working through a lot of my own issues with asking for what I want and and articulating my own needs, that comes from a very different place. And that comes from a place of myself being rejected by partners and being told that I'm not enough and like that kind of thing. Um, and so it, it's kind of like living in these two dualities at all times that I think is is really interesting. And it's something that I'm that I'm actively working on, I think, because of like my top half, like, you know, <laughs> like, it's because if it was like, if I would think, I think if I was like, always submissive, I think I would be far less motivated to be healthy in my communication and be healthy in in how I approach things. But because I know what it's like to top, I try to at least work on it. I often fail. I ought, you know, I often fail. But I try to at least hold that cognizance in my head of like, well, if you were a top, what would you want? What would you need? What, like, how would you approach this? Um, And I think that is valuable. I feel like that was going somewhere else and then I meandered into a completely different point. Um, But the original question was like, what are, what are skills? What? Yes. I'm uh, looking at you for confirmation. (laughs) Topical. Yeah, it was. Well, well, I think we talked about this a bit in the sexuality episode or the the sex episode. Um, But it's, it's, it's a bit ironic that when you're in a submissive situation, whether like, you know, in vanilla sex, there is still, there can be still a submissive dominant sort of thing going on. Mm -hmm. Perhaps not as obviously. Um, but very often times when the person who is in, who is, I guess, sort of, um, I don't want to say in control of the situation, but, but dictating the the situation, um, uh, it is incredibly useful for that person to know what the other person wants and to have more information rather than less from the other person. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a bit ironic that (laughs) by expressing what, for you specifically, as you just expressed, yeah. but a lot of people, including myself, it can feel selfish to tell the other person what you want specifically, when in fact you're doing them a huge favor. Yeah. And I think in in, in kink, kink being, you know, such a uh, uh, a high-octane experience, it's ne- it's absolutely necessary to say specifically, like, that hurts to an extent that I'm not comfortable with or yeah. not so much that this. And so it's good. It's, I guess it's good practice yeah, for advocating. It's, it's predicated on the notion of consent and communication. Right. Exactly. Which I think is really important. I mean, I mean, I don't know, like all of my skills are like, I don't know. I'm really good with a flogger. Like that's not useful. <laughs> like it's not a useful skill to have except in very specific circumstances. Well, you, you read very well. Like, you know, I mean, obviously I will tell you, if something, if I, if I, if I need something changed or want something changed. Yeah. Um, but very oftentimes I don't have to because, you know, we're emotionally, intellectually, and physically intimate enough that you can tell when my head is moving in a, in a not, in a way that it indicates that I'm not super awesome yeah. about what's happening. Yeah. Well, I, I think that also maybe has to do a little bit kind of circling back to two questions. Like, I think some of that has to do with my ADHD being uh, being helped or being made comfortable in mm. that 
I'm so used to constantly scanning the room. I'm so used to constantly having to like take in a million different things all at once and like process those. Like I can sort of, I don't want to say cheat code it because that seems very dangerous, but like (laughs) I'm able to like be fully present in the moment and, and, you know, paying attention to what I'm doing, but also noticing like, okay, is his hands grabbing the sheet because he's enjoying himself or because this is too painful or, you know, is his head moving that way? You know, whatever. And so like, I'm, I'm picking up little details and that kind of thing. And I think that actually, I think it makes me a a better top because I think a lot of times new new tops, new kinksters, people who are sort of like just developing their skills are solely reliant on things like safe words and verbal mm. cues. But the the real truth of the matter is, is like people are imperfect. And I think that's something that you always have to keep in the back of your head when you're when you're doing kink stuff is that people are imperfect and things are going to go wrong. And just relying on a safe word can be very dangerous, especially if your partner is neurodivergent. Like I go nonverbal. I go super nonverbal and I go nonverbal much, much quicker than than one might assume. Like if all you knew about me, right? Like if if you didn't know me, Katie, and you knew me as Katie Osaurus, and you had listened to all of Infinite Quest and you had seen all of my TikToks. The impression that you might get is like, oh, this this bitch knows what's up. Like she she's a fucking talker. She's confident. She's articulate. She knows what she's talking about, whatever. But the real fact of the matter is, is that like, especially in kink, especially when I am submissive, I go nonverbal very early. And like, you know this Mm -hmm. because like, we sometimes we do kink stuff together. But like you you have to be able to to notice that kind of stuff and you have to be able to like process that kind of stuff in real time and check in and make sure that like the person is okay and relying just on the one thing like mm-hmm. just the safe word that can get that can get really dangerous for neurodivergent people because like stuff can change in an instant in the moment and you need to be astute and adept enough at playing with that partner to know, okay, his head has moved a little bit weirder than it normally does. I should check in. And I overly check in. And I, I'm sure it's annoying sometimes where you're like, shut the fuck up. I want to enjoy myself. But I would rather err on the side of like checking in with you constantly and being like, are you okay? Is this okay? Is what like, do you need me to stop? Then leave room for that moment of like, I should have asked, but I didn't because I didn't want to ruin the moment. Yeah, I also I want to point out you have I think you and I I suspect that you and I disagree on something concerning safe words. I don't know exactly what we disagree with about, but I suspect that we do. Oh my god, are we gonna have our first podcast fight? No podcast conflict. Yes, maybe no. Well, well, I think the what what you're you're warning about is is relying on the safe word or safe signal as being the only. Indicator of the person, the, the the submissive person at the bottom, um, needing something changed. Right. Um, but I don't think it is. I think it's the failsafe. It's if, oh no, absolutely. If they are not noticing those things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
you may have to clarify for a partner, like literal versus figurative, like stuff like that. And that's important to keep in mind because some people are not as adept at reading body bodily cues or physical cues. Some people are not as adept at think at, at hearing things figuratively and they need that like literal ness. I don't want to say spelled out, but clearly articulated. And I think that is, that's absolutely something to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 it's, it's weird being in, I, I think, being in situa- a situation where words don't mean what they usually mean is already a dodgy situation. It's yeah. strange. And if you have trouble with, you know, we, we get people who message us about um, uh, their understanding of, like, reality is difficult for them, which is something that I don't feel qualified to really speak on. Um, but I can imagine that for a person who already has a tenuous grasp with, with reality and what's real and, and what is, you know, truth and what's not being in a situation where please stop. doesn't mean please stop that that was the goal could be just, I mean, just a, a, an overwhelming experience for them. And I think the the safe word accounts for that. Yeah. The, The safe word is this is the one word that exists completely outside of this scene. he did it you made it to the middle of the episode you know what that means time for a water break i guess that's a thing now cool just real quick before we move back into this week's episode we want to remind you that if you need stylish cool affordable glasses you can get them from zlool.com that's z-e-e-l-o-o-l.com and if you use code katie that's c-a-t-i-e-o uh you'll get 10 percent off your order that's not bad we also want to let you know that we've got some super cool new merchandise available in our Redbubble shop. So if you go to redbubble.com slash people slash infinite quest, I know it's long, but it's it, it's what it is. Uh, we've got some super cool new ADHD and merch. I'm really crushing these commercials this week, Eric. I know, I'm doing a really good job. Uh, so anyway, you can buy some cool stuff. That That's it. All right. that That's it, I think. Back to the episode. Transition. They're getting more excessive. I mean, when we started playing together, I, I I I insisted that we had a safe word. You were like, "No, well, Eric, stop is my safe word." Well, so, I was well, actually going to want to say that. stop without me stopping. Like, well, that's the thing. I was going to talk about this because I feel like I owe you an apology. I'm going to do it on the podcast because I want to use it as a learning moment. Because, like, I, I you were going to say I use it as leverage. And I was no, like, no, oh, no. God, I, I really I want to <laughs> use it as a teaching moment because, like, I have been in the king community for a really fucking long time. And so I was, I was very cavalier in a time when I shouldn't have been. And I was like, no, stop me and stop. Because like, that is for me, I don't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I am not a person who goes like, oh no, stop. But like, I mean, don't stop. Like I Mm -hmm. don't, because like for me, I don't know if it's like a linguistic thing or a consent thing or, or something, but something about me and how I operate in scene, stop means stop. No means no. You know what I mean? And so I wrongfully assumed, and that was not cool of me, like that was not cool of me to do that, that you would implicitly understand that and have that same mentality and expectation. And so I was like, we don't need a safe word, my safe word is stop. And I mean that, like I, Mm -hmm. if I say stop, I mean fucking stop, you know? But like for you... And I, I don't want to like out you to, and make you uncomfortable. Like, but for you, you wanted the ability to have that kind of 
I don't even want to say game, but that like that flexibility to sort of play within mm. no stop, not meaning actually stop, hard stop, hard limit. Mm. And having that language exist within the scene meant that we had to find an alternative safe word. But like that, figuring that out and getting to that journey, like that was a moment where like I messed up, like I messed up and I incorrectly just assumed that you would understand it from the same viewpoint and i was wrong and so i'm sorry oh well thank you very much no 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 offense was taken or anything like that i'm just glad we reconciled our language oh i know but i mean i think it's important to i i wanted to talk about it because i think it's like a really interesting neurodivergent thing yeah like i would never say stop if i didn't mean stop right like ever which i which like again just points back to, to the importance of of having negotiations and discussions beforehand because if if i didn't know that going in me especially since i'm new to kink Mm -hmm. i may have thought i don't think i would have but i may have thought oh the person saying stop is just part of it and i would keep going yeah and no matter how much you said which is i mean like in my head again new to kink so this is all coming from a place of reasonable naivety um like the worst one of, the, I don't want to use too many any superlatives, but one of the worst possible outcomes of a kink scene or situations that you could be in is when you really do want the scene to stop as a sub and saying like, no, I'm serious. And the top assume good, possibly with, with totally good intention, assuming that that's part of it and not hearing yeah. you. So Which you is not, a thing. Literally not having language. I think of like when you're having a dream yeah. and you try to scream for help but you can't. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing that like, has happened terrifying. to me though. Like that's Ugh. that's what I'm saying is like that is a thing that has happened to me more than once and more than twice is my being in a scene and saying no stop and people not stopping. Jesus. And so, and like I have like permanent physical damage because of like those instances and so i think like that is why for me stop means stop right and like i don't i honestly and i know god this is my fucking upsetting trauma podcast revelation but i think that's why i tend to never say stuff like no stop if i don't mean no stop because there have been times in my own kink experience where no stop didn't mean no stop even though I wanted it to. And so like, that's why I don't like that. I don't like it when people are like, stop, but they actually don't mean stop. Huh? Does that make sense? It does. That's really interesting. Yeah. You should talk to somebody more qualified. I know. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, and it is what it is. Like, Mm. it's not like, oh, my trauma, but it's, it's just like, I think that is, why my head goes to that but like that is something that if you don't know that and i haven't articulated it clearly which i did not with you which is why i'm bringing it up is like it makes it, you're like oh well safer and i'm like yeah stop <laughs> <laughs> i also wanted to bring up we when, when we were having that specific conversation that you're referring to um well it would be it would have been after the first time we did this scene together or at least the, the, after the first time i i talked to you um i talked about how like, I think one of us joked, like, we don't have a safe word because I'm not, like, I'm not going to, like, I, I, I don't want to use the word, but I think we said, like, uh, because I ain't no bitch. <laughs> um, it, fully in jest, of course. Um, and I brought up the point that 
because because of what I wanted from the scene. Like, I don't want a safe word because I don't want it to go very far, and I want to have quite the opposite. <laughs> like, I want the safe word because I want it to be able to go really, really far, but still have it be safe, because I know I have that word. And that was be- that's because... I'm still very much so in an exploratory phase. Yeah. So so I didn't, perhaps I do want it to get that far. Perhaps I don't. But I wanted that option. In order to safely have that option, I needed a safe word. So I wanted to say, um, particularly, I mean, there's a lot of things that I want to say to the to, to, to the straight men uh, in this, who may be listening. Um, but one of them is just that s- safe words don't mean that you're scared or aren't a, sh- a sign of, 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 or a, of also, a lack of masculinity. No, like, they're also not the goal. They're also not the goal. Yeah, they're, they're a like, fail-safe. They're a like, fail-safe. There's something you might, may never have to use. Like, I don't think I've ever said our safe word. You've not. But we have one. Like, you. just because, you know, we have one. Um, and so, like, I'm trying to... I'm try- I, 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 I want to speak on that in masculinity without reinforcing that, like masculinity is like inherently good but frankly for a lot of people that is important maintaining that masculinity for better or for worse um that it is important for them to do that and who am i to judge that to be true i mean if you're not, if you're not i mean toxic masculinity is real and that's a whole separate thing but basically having a safe word isn't a sign of weakness it's a sign that y- it's a sign of respect it's, it's a sign of respect it's just yeah it's a sign of respect absolutely but it's it's also frankly like it's <laughs> It's it's saying that you think you can take a lot, basically. Like it's not saying like I'm I'm afraid this is gonna hurt too much, therefore I want a safe word. You're saying I want it to be able to hurt a lot, while still being safe about it. Like I, I know I, I, I it sounds like I'm dancing around something because I frankly am. I like I'm just so nervous about reinforcing masculinity as being like something that is inherently good or necessary in any circumstance but i do know for a fact that there are men who are curious about kink and sexuality and stuff but they're worried about being feminized or being emasculated and i am terrified that uh, a man is going to engage in a kink scene in an unsafe way because they think having a safe word is like pussy shit pardon my language but like i I genuinely worry about and I think... I mean, I've met those people. Oh, like, yeah. you are not... You are not off base in that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I Yeah, I apologize for, for skirting around my language so much, but um, I just... Yeah, I, I really worry about um, men in kink because I've met a lot of men who would not practice safe kink stuff for fear of being perceived as weak or feminine or something like that. Well, I also think it's very interesting that you're saying this as a male switch. Yes. Because, like, I don't know if I'm going to have to be the person to break this to you right now in this moment. Mm -hmm. But, like, there is a real stigma against male submissives. Yeah. Like, there is, like, a real, very toxic, very unhealthy idea that, like, you are somehow less of a man if you are interested in submitting. Like, it's, like, that's the girl's job. And it's, like, not the case. But, like, (laughs) it's very... And it's very prevalent. And it's, like... But it's weird, too, because, like, the other side of that, like, sort of toxic masculinity coin is, like, the fetishization... Fuck it. Of, like, the femdom. And, and Mm. like, 
and that's then that's the thing that I have to deal with as well is like yes I am a woman and yes I am a top but like I don't necessarily want to top you Chad <laughs> you know and so it's like this weird thing where it's like a lot of guys will objectify women in that way but then at the on the other side like oh you're like a bitch or you're a pussy or whatever because you are a dude and you are submissive and it's like they're both problematic in so many facets and so many aspects that it gets like mm-hmm. it gets like really frustrating to navigate i think oh yeah i i, I was uh reading you can read It was a hilarious joke. That's okay. I was reading a, a, a comment chain on TikTok earlier um, about um, somebody made the claim that men are more sexually, their sex drive is, is greater and they're more sexual than women. Um, and this woman commented under that saying like, perhaps that's too, perhaps it's not, but I understand what you're saying. And I think the reason that a person like you might think that is because men are in fact just touch starved. Because if you look at like, like think of like straight TikTok. So I don't mean to speak for like, fuck, fuck it. Um, me growing up as a boy and, a, and now being what one might call a man because of my age, but certainly not because of my mind. Um, when we touch each other, it's either physical, it's either aggressive or accidental. It, or, or maybe a high five, but hugging and, and just like, patting somebody on the back or whatever it's feminine and it's bullshit and you shouldn't do that because man up or whatever the fuck don't fucking cry uh and so the only situations and when a man can receive touch that's not either violent or accidental is sexual and so that's what we're fucking out for not to mention all the societal implications that that's what we're taught to be um and so similarly i think being submissive just i think humans generally seek balance in certain ways. And I think feeling that you need to be dominant all the time and be in control and be whatever this understanding of masculinity you have is trying to be that all the time is fucking exhausting and frankly unhealthy. And I think our bodies crave a balance to that. And because men are are trained that the only way that we can receive like physical affection is in a sexual situation, perhaps so too, do we believe that uh that the only way to be acceptably submissive or whatever not i don't want to say but, but to be submissive is in a similar sexual uh, uh situation which is where this whole femme dom like but crush my balls kind of thing comes comes into play because they think the only way that being that submissive can be is in some extreme scene which is fucking fine to do I just, I, I worry that there are a lot of men who have this itch to be submissive. They have that, they need it to be scratched. Perhaps they're like a, uh, you know, a, a CEO type or some shit and they have to be managing and, and, and dominant all the time and call shots or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, but, like a senator. <laughs> I'll get it out of you. I'm never going to tell. I will <sighs> never tell. Everybody, let's get this out of her. Anyways, um, is in a sexual situation. And, and I think there's a lot of tension be, being a man um, that is created by the societal expectation that you cannot be submissive. You have to be dominant. And one of the ways that that tension can be released is through being kink in a submissive or being submissive in a kink setting. Um, 
And so I think encouraging men to be vulnerable in any capacity is good. Um, and I think kink is one way that that can, um, can occur. And perhaps if we learn that being submissive in a sexual or kink setting is okay, then perhaps being submissive and vulnerable and quote unquote feminine in a societal situation is perhaps acceptable. I don't know. That was a lot. My thoughts are still forming on that. But it's very. I followed it. I followed the train. It was. It was a weird train. I know. No, I mean it wasn't train. even weird. Like I think it was. I think it was honestly like really nice. Like I think it's like mm. a lot of times the kink conversation is left out of the conversation about like the society in which we live and the expectations that are put on different genders and also just like toxic toxic masculinity as a whole like we, we talk a lot about like fake doms and like <laughs> fake doms or whatever but like there's a lot of toxic masculinity wrapped up in ideas about submission and stuff as well too it's not just mm-hmm. like oh well, i have to be a sure domly dom like mm-hmm. there's a lot but like i yeah i mean i i get it like i don't know if i have a lot to contribute because i am not a dude but I... <laughs> well, I, I just remember being like in my first couple sexual encounters when I was uh, 14 and 15 or so and feeling like I had to like so much of my nerves about that was I have to decide what should happen here. You know, I have to be this man about this. Yeah. And, you know, every movie that I'd ever seen involved some scene where like the man like walks up to the woman and she goes, ah, and then he like picks her up and she's like, ah. And they, like, go up against it, and it's this whole fucking bullshit thing. And I, the fact that I couldn't do that, because that's not just that's just not who I was, was a real insecurity of mine for a very long time. And to, to imagine being like that now, with the agency that I have, I have my own money, I can go wherever I please, I, and I'm large enough to hurt people. The idea of being that emotionally unhealthy is fucking terrifying. Yeah. And without being too grand about it, like, that's why wars get started and shit is because men are unhealthy and make stupid fucking decisions because we can't cry. Anyways, we can do a whole episode. (laughs) No, I mean, it's a really good point. Like I think being aware of that is, is really important. I feel like we're very close to like, "Mm, yes, this topic is really important and we're not talking about it. Like that's, that's what I have in the back of my head right now. I I don't, I don't think I I think I'm, I'm having a hard time talking about it, but uh, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like an agent, like a deep cover agent or something sometimes where like straight men will talk to me like I'm just going to agree with the misogynistic bullshit that they say. Yeah. And so like, I don't know, now that I have a platform to say like, hey guys, it's okay to cry. It's okay to hug each other. It's okay if you like, you know, getting pegged. <laughs> like, it's okay. It's all okay. And I think kink is as kink being such a microcosm of like human experience. Um getting okay with doing things that you might consider to be feminine or masculine and being okay with not being in control and, and submitting to a woman. <laughs> and, and then again, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm talking particularly about, you know, straight masculine men. Um, kink can be really helpful to that as it's been helpful to me. Okay. Well then here is my next question for you then. So you are newer-ish to the kink scene than me. I've been I've been active in the the scene for about like I don't know ten years, maybe twelve wow, now, really? something like that. I'm elderly, Eric. You must not forget this. I'm so much older than you. Um, I have like one of the most one of the questions that I get asked most frequently is 
I want to talk to my partner about trying kink stuff or I'm interested in kink stuff. How do I get started? And like, I have my answers, which are very like stock answers at this point, because like I have answered that question approximately 9,000 times on TikTok <laughs> live at this point. So, but like what for you, like for somebody who is much, much newer, like what advice do you have for somebody like just starting out? Like, especially for like, dudes in in like a position like yours where they're like maybe they are a little bit more submissive or they're just trying to like figure out like where they fall sort of in like the identities in kink like how like how what would you say to those people how do you how do you get them started on that journey um i think one just a lot of the things that you think you're going to like you're not going to end up liking and a lot of the things that you think you're not going to like you are going to end up like <laughs> which is really jarring um but uh so i think go into that like if you express strong interest to your partner in trying something you do not have any obligation to continue enjoying it you can say oh wait never mind like that is that was not it well how do you start the conversation with your partner um because i like very specifically remember how you brought it up with me but I would like you to tell the story because it's not my story to tell. Wait, wait, which, where, where physically, I'm trying to, because we had a lot of conversations about We that. were in my car. You were in your car. Um, yeah, I remember. I vaguely remember that. We were talking, I basically said, like, oh, I wanted, like, a sampler course, I think. Is that the conversation you're talking was, about? Yes. Yeah, because, like, I had a lot of ideas about what I would like. Because there are a lot of things that, like, the idea of are, you know, hot to me or interesting to me. Um, but to have them physically happen to you is a different story. And so I think I asked you to, to, to design like sampler courses of different things. So like when we started doing impact play, you gave me the, the, the rundown of like, so there's stingy impact, you know, like getting like, like a, like a cane is very stingy. And then there's thuddy, which is like a fucking bat, you know? Um, and so I was like, cool. Like, let's give me a little, a susan of, of the spectrum. I like that we'll... you also absolutely and immediately defaulted to kitchen terms. That was something that I thought was very funny. You're like, yeah, oh, you know, yeah. a little sampler course, like just a little sampler platter, just a little <laughs> chef's tasting menu. And I was like, I get it, Eric, you're a cook. <laughs> well, in, in our particular case, like I know that you're very experienced in kink, so I knew you were qualified to do that. Um, so I guess, one, I think it was worth waiting for, to be with a partner that I was comfortable doing that stuff with. Um, not to say that I was deliberately waiting. Like I, you know, if somebody came up to me and said, you know, I want to do kink stuff with you. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Which would not have been safe. Um, but it's, it was worth, I, I'm just so glad that I had that conversation with you, you specifically, and not just someone. Aww. Um, and That's so I think weirdly sweet. <laughs> it was really nice. Um, but then also, uh, it's a really a two-way thing. Well, I was really, I was really surprised that, not surprised, but was interested in when, when you spoke that like, it's easy to think that like the sub is the only person that needs to give consent, but the person doing the thing also needs to be comfortable doing that thing. So be aware that when you, if you bring something up to your partner, they might be like, that's totally fine that you want that, but I'm not comfortable doing it. So be aware that the, well, one, remind them that they can do that. Um, but I would also be specific, um, because, uh, if you say to a partner, like, I want to try kink stuff, 
that's that's the, the most broadest thing I've yeah. ever heard. So say specifically, like, I would like. Would it be okay if you, you know, hit me with a uh, wooden spoon, kitchen <laughs> stuff? Um, but I don't know, like honestly, in terms of advice, I, I think I think you would probably be more close. Although, I like I'm more proximal to having had that experience because it was like two months ago. Um, I had that experience with you, and I know that you were experienced. So I was more. I was asking. I was talking to like a professor on the subject. <laughs> Whereas I'm thinking like a couple where neither of them have really had very many, yeah. uh, if any, cake experiences. Yeah. How might one partner approach? I the mean, other? you know, the real thing, the real thing that, and I'm I'm just gonna be so infinitely practical. The real thing about kink is that there is like, and I think maybe it's oh no another podcast breakthrough, but like one of the things that really draws me to kink is that like there is work that needs to be put in on both sides constantly and consistently you know and so like i get these questions all the time about like well how do i talk to my partner like whatever and i'm like you just have the you just sit down and you have the conversation but with that conversation and i can't i can't tell people how to have that conversation because like every relationship is different ours came out of like a separate conversation that we were having like in my car on the highway and it happened to come up and I was like yeah sure fam like I got you and I was like happy to do that for you because I love you and I care about you and I want you to like be fulfilled you know but for other people like it might be coming out of a I'm very dissatisfied with my relationship it might be coming out of a we're in a new relationship you know or we're in an old established relationship and we want to like spice this up or like whatever like there's so many different ways to come at it that I don't think that there's like a script, but I think what it comes down to is vulnerability, authenticity, and then circling back to the point that I lost track of is fucking research. Like, and it sucks. It sucks to have to look at somebody and to be like, oh, you want to do heavy impact play? Well, I need you to go read about fucking deep tissue bruises and go research like different implements and like tell come back and tell me like what you'd like to be hit with like that is boring it is boring and it's frankly not that sexy it's not that sexy to have to go on like FetLife and read a bunch of you know like how-to guides on you know how to do single column knots and like that kind of thing but it's necessary it's necessary for safety it's necessary for communication um, and kind of like the TikTok video you made about apple juice versus vodka. Mm. Like, even terminology. Like, if I say a paddle, what does that mean? Like, for some people, they picture, like, something real small and cute and whatever. Some people picture something a lot less fun and cute, you know? And so being on the same page involves just so much communication and specificity in that communication. Um, and I don't know, like... This is going to be, this might be the shittiest thing that I ever say on this podcast. Um, But I think one of the things that have been, has become abundantly clear to me as both like a kink talker, sex educator, mental health advocate, is how many people are in shitty relationships. And like, that sounds harsh and it sounds mean and maybe it is. But like, I'm, I'm shocked by the number of people who come to me and say things like, I can't talk to my partner about my ADHD. I can't talk to my partner about my depression. I can't talk to my partner about wanting them to tie me up. I can't talk to them about A, B, C, or D. And it's like, I understand that it can be challenging. I understand that it can be uncomfortable. 
But I think it's so important to build those skills. And for exactly what you're talking about earlier, like, it's not just about being like, Eric, I would like it very much if you tied me up and choked me. It's about being able to look at you and say, Eric, you forgot to take out the garbage for the third time this this month, and it really hurts my feelings. Those are both uncomfortable conversations in their own kind. But being able to have one means that you can more easily have the other. And so, yeah, I mean, like, if you don't have a supportive partner, if you don't have a partner who is willing to listen, if you don't have a partner who is willing to at least listen, even if they're not at all interested, even if they they quietly and respectfully listen to the whole spiel and they go, absolutely not, I am not interested in, in spanking you or whatever, there should you should be able to come to your partner with that kind of stuff and trust that they will at least hear you and listen and if you're not like that's that's a red flag for me dog thanks for being that kind of person katie being a being a being a person i can talk to about that kind of stuff no problem i can't imagine what my life would be like now if you weren't i can't imagine my life without you Aww. oh that was really nice <laughs> congratulations you did it you made it to the end of the episode i just want you to know that i'm really proud of you good job before we go i know at the beginning of the episode i talked about some easy ways that you can help support infinite quest but now is the point of the episode where we get to thank our newest patreon sponsors so a huge infinite quest thank you goes out to pierce and claire and david and byron and danny and tamiko and cherry kachu Thank you all so much for supporting us. Thank you so much for believing in our mission. And if you're interested in supporting our mission of mental health, education, and advocacy, you can check out patreon.com slash infinite quest and become part of the infinite quest family yourself. And that's all we got for this week. So from all of us here at infinite quest, thank you. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for listening. Thanks for coming back week after week. We are having just the most extraordinary time with all of this and all of you are part of it. So thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. And until next time, remember to take your meds, drink some water and be kind to yourself. And from all of us at Infinite Quest, we love you. We love you. Katie meant to say we love you, but she didn't turn her noise gate down. So we love you is what she meant to say. Also, this week's special key phrase, if you email us at infinitequestpodcast at gmail.com and you say this key phrase, we'll shout you out in the next episode. The key phrase is, Katie, what's the key phrase? The past phrase. Maybe you get three seconds or else I'm going to pick something real dumb. Oh, God. Sassafras. Keyword is sassafras. <laughs> Bye.